Welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. Good day, good day, and welcome to another podcast, I'll marry you. Oh my God, that was literally off the, off the hizzle. <laughs> like, I just came up with that. That's what I was trying to say, but also trying to be cool at the same time. So the issue is now is that I have proper earphones and I think I'm like in a recording studio. Actually, I'm just sat on my sofa at home. How are you all? I hope you've all had the most wonderful of weeks. I promised you last week that this week's episode would be story time. What I've done is I've put my microphone um, by the sofa. I've snuggled up. I've got my hot water bottle on my bowl, do you know? And I've got, a, I've got a coffee and a fancy mug. It's got no handle, so you know it's fancy. And I'm ready. I'm ready to talk to you all about the most wonderful wedding I did last year. It was, it was a, a, a wedding of many firsts for me. It was the first wedding that I had uh, worked at, conducted a ceremony for abroad. It was the first time that I had conducted a ceremony for someone I knew for friends and it was the first time that my husband and I had been out of the country without our child since our child had been born. Many, many firsts. It was also the first time that I ended up in a swimming pool with over 12 half-naked Greek men. Hopefully not the last time. Shall we begin? So, I, I've been away a lot. I've been away a lot for work. And, you know, listen to some pleasure. Listen to some pleasure. And I think since the restrictions of COVID were lifted, even though I have a child and I love my child, I have a very supportive, very helpful, very present family who are always willing to look after her, you know, because my husband can't possibly look after her on his own. <laughs> It'd be so absurd. I went to a wedding once and they tried to get me to stay. And I said, let me just call my husband. Right, okay. Let me just see what's going on in the homestead. And I phoned him and he had very quickly explained that he had eaten her supper for his lunch. I was like, I can't leave that man alone with our child. That's not fair. That's not right. Anywho, so I have this wonderful family and they were all very helpful. So I've been able to go away a lot for work and um, and go away with friends and things like that. Just the little sort of one or two night breaks in the last two years. And it's been wonderful. My husband hasn't done that. I don't know if it's a, a, a my husband thing or like a, a man thing or a husband thing. I don't know. But um, he's not so good at arranging social occasions. I feel like that's quite a normal thing in marriage. Um, there's one of you that's super duper social and the other one that's like, I'm fine, thank you, Netflix. And in fact, if the other other half didn't organise social occasions, the other half would never leave the house. So it's, it kind of works out, I think. So that's him. I'm a sociable butterfly and he is a Netflix and chill kind of guy. <laughs> of course he is. Wouldn't you be if you're married to this potty? <laughs> oh, just a potty. By the by. Um, and so he hasn't been out much <laughs> um, since we had our little girl and since the restrictions of COVID have been lifted. We've been abroad as a family, we've done this and that and had some wonderful times, but he hasn't been away without um, me or without Lola very much at all. And uh, we had an invitation at, well, actually, we had an invitation back in 2020 um, for our friend's wedding in Greece, in Corfu. And 
Back then, they asked me to do the ceremony, and I couldn't do it because I was already booked. After it gutted, so upset because not only did I want to go as their friend, but you know what an honour to be able to do a ceremony for people that you know so well and have loved so dearly for so long. So we were both really upset. Um, him probably more than me because he, you know, he, I ruined his his potential holiday. Um, but even if then lockdown happens, thank God, <laughs> every cloud. And uh, the wedding got postponed, like so many. Um, sort of 20, 21, 22 weddings did. And the new date, the new date, we could go to. Oh, dreaming. So we had at least 12 months of knowing that we had this pretty epic abroad Greek wedding coming up. And they had very kindly said, you can bring Lola. So why would I want to bring my child? Hmm? We'd flirted with the idea of taking a parent with our child like like nannying <laughs> but it was just getting all too complicated and so i convinced james as you know sort of i'm the heartless parent of the two and he cares more um that we should leave her <laughs> we should leave her in the uk and go abroad go to this wedding we won't be gone long we did um three nights in total so literally, like, we saw her on the Thursday morning and we were back with her by the Sunday lunchtime. So it was like, literally a flying visit. I convinced him and he was like, yeah, good. All systems go. Bags packed, passports checked, lights booked, spray tan sorted. Um, me, not him. Pasties against his, like, Casper. And um, it was all very, very exciting. Now, in the build-up to the wedding, I had had a meet, the planning meeting with them as if they were, you know, like any other Um, But also we'd spoken lots and I was helping them um, do bits and pieces with the planning and things. And I had said to them during our planning meeting, look, I don't know about you, but I feel, I don't know, if, I, I think I was sober. I don't know what came over me. Someone must have told me I was funny that day because I had this real air of false confidence. And I was like, look, I feel like Normally, I would show my couples the ceremony as soon as I write it. And there's a few drafts back and forth, but it just, it means that they know what's coming. I can double check things. The facts are right, but, you know, all that kind of logistical stuff. But also, I might say a joke um, that they would find funny because I know that, but I don't know the guests, you know. So I always do that. I always send my ceremony drafts to the couple before the big day and, and then they sign off on it. And I said to to my friends, Megs and Christos, you guess which one's the Greek? And I said to my friends, Megs and Christos, I actually think that if you're okay with it, I feel confident enough to write this ceremony and not show it to you. So completely spontaneous, complete surprise on the day. Oh, no, what came over me? It was a stupid idea. Anyway, then the idiots way way stupider than me we're like yeah no that's what we want we don't want to see it we don't want to hear it we don't want to think about it we trust you completely then they said the most idiotic words they probably said for the entire planning journey Liv just be yourself absolute plonkers they were like we know you we've known you for 10 years we know what you're like we know your sense of humour we know your style we know you just be actually I think their exact words were be as you as you can be so dangerous when I was younger and I used to go out to like the pub or whatever or meet new people, my mum would tell me to like be less me. You know, she'd be like, we love you as you are, sweetheart, Terrible, light of my life, but just tone it down a bit, you know? Go from a 10 to like a 6. 
people my whole life have been telling me to dial it back. And and these two gorgeous beasts were stupidly telling me to just be me. Just fully, 100%, unashamedly, be me. I tell you, I tell you. That was the first red flag straight off the bat. So I wrote the ceremony and that was already so rock and roll. I, like, I was so nervous because they weren't going to read it. I'd read it to my husband. I'd read it to my, a couple of my best friends. I'd read it to my mum. I'd read it to a couple of people who knew them. And I knew a lot of the guests going, but not all of them. But I did feel, even though it made me super anxious, I did feel confident in the style of the ceremony. Um, I knew that they had filled their questionnaires out separately and privately. They hadn't seen each other's answers. So I was a bit nervous of the of the different content that was going in there. Overall, it was a little <laughs> it was a little anxious, but it was okay. I was like convincing myself. Bye. You know, the spray tan helped because spray tan felt everything. So the day of um, departure, and that sounds fancy, isn't it authentic? The day of departure arrives, arrival departure sounds, and um, we, James and I go and drop Lola off at my in-laws. <laughs> he's literally like, he's like crying on the doorstep. And I'm like, bye, Felicia, mama going out. Mama going to get drunk, okay? I don't know why I go into that voice. Obviously, I wasn't like that. I was like, goodbye, Danny. Mama's off, off in an airplane now. Oh, shorts, Miss because I speak French. Um, but I was so excited. Oh my God, I love my child. I love her with all my heart and soul. But I was so excited to leave her. I can't tell you. It was like 11 in the morning and I had a tinny in the car. I wasn't driving. Would that have stopped me? Yes, it would have. Maybe. Um, I was so excited. I had a whole outfit, um, airport outfit planned, you know. It was It was like, this was, this was real. We hadn't done this together. <laughs> in years like we haven't been away on our own together where i could drink where i wasn't pregnant for nearly three and a half years four years so excited and so we left lola james is obviously in buds tears and i'm sort of swigging my my tin to gnt you know pretending to be upset uh we get to the airport bristol classy fancy you know we go straight to the bar don't we i'm off to the flame i am you know me you know me straight there um, had incredibly overpriced drinks, but you know, all in the spirit of things. And I, you know, I kept sort of <laughs> out loud being like, "Yeah, well, you know, because of the work trip, the work trip." Hoping that someone um, in the in the pub in the airport would be like, "Oh, that's interesting. What do you do?" And I could tell them all about it. I realised I do that a lot. I don't know if that's like charming or really annoying, but I like to, and because I love what I do so much, I like to talk about it. <laughs> People that ask me about it, terrible, isn't it? No, I think it's annoying, isn't it? It's not charming, it's annoying. Yeah, very well, it's not going to change. Um, so we got to the airport, got on the plane. Ten minutes in, um, I we start shouting to the couple behind us. They're engaged. They, they We're checking dates. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is so um, serendipitous. We That was a big word, wasn't it? Look it up, mum, you'll find it. Um, this is absolute fate. We're booking you. Um, but I had the date on hold, so we exchanged details. We chatted for the whole flight, we exchanged details, and um, James was just shimming the photos of Lola. <laughs> and it's just, you know, boosting my career. I also, um, we had to pack everything in hand luggage, because, you know, I'm cheap, so I'm going to pay for a bloody suitcase for three days. So I had to pack everything in hand, hand luggage, but I was so, A, anxious about my ceremony, and B, desperate for someone to ask me what I did, that I was carrying around my folder, my ceremony folder like I was incredibly important and it was 
the Bible. I had that on me at all times. I was said to James, I'm like, look, you know, I can lose, I can buy a new outfit, but I can't buy a new ceremony. You know, I, I must keep the middle time. What I'm doing is incredibly important. I'm an incredibly pivotal part of this wedding, this holiday, and you know, or Greece in general. Who's a wonder? And um, so we we have a nice flight. We get there. Now, I, I, I feel like at this point we're about to meet the groom. And so I should just give you a little um, insight into, into who this couple are. Megs and Christos are two of the most active people I have ever met. Like it's, like it's silly. Like it's silly. They are both so beautiful. I don't actually, do you know what? I don't know why I'm friends with them. I'm friends with them because they're also really, really nice. Isn't that just the absolute pit? So they're incredibly beautiful together. They are such lovely people. They're like really accomplished. They're really talented. Uh, Megs and I met years ago when we worked together. She um, is a stylist, interior designer, creator. She, her eye for detail is impeccable. So that was the other reason why I was so desperate to go to her wedding because I knew that it would look amazing. She is, she is so clever at putting things together, putting different elements together, the color schemes, textures, creating experience with interiors and props and things like that. She is second to none of that. So I knew that the wedding was going to be pretty amazing. And Crystal's is just ever so pretty. They're ever so pretty. It's like Tom Cruise, but in the good days. No. And so it's, <laughs> so I knew that the whole thing was just going to be sensation. And um, everyone was excited to be there because they're such nice people, but they look so, <laughs> they look so good. So we were getting there the day before the wedding and um, Crystal's very kindly messaged and said, look, everyone else, every other Tom, Dick and Harriet are making their way to um, Passiope, which is where the wedding was. Uh, but I happened to be at the airport when you land to pick up my best man. He's flying in from some other Greek city. And um, so I'll pick you up as well. And then we went, we'll go straight to the menu for a rehearsal. Brilliant. So James and I get off the plane in Greece. And, you know, I'm, I'm basically half cut at this point. And um, I, d- I don't think I was sweating into my fake dad. But if you've never had fake dad before, you didn't get that really lovely sort of green line. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I might have had that in my arm. Um, anyway, it was a hot flight. It was, it was hot when we landed. It was a long queue. You know, I'd been clutching my ceremony folder all the times so I'd cramp in my left arm. You know, it probably wasn't my finest look. And then we get to the airport. We go into the um, arrivals area outside of the taxis. And then there's Christos. There's Christos, this Greek god, stood by the car waving at me in his, in his beige-coloured linen. I mean, it was literally like a movie. James who? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I say that. James is actually in love with Christos himself. It's quite, it's quite amusing when you see them together. They've got such man crush because this man is so beautiful. You can't not be a little bit in love with him. So he's there. He's like raving, like, "Oh, Libby!" He doesn't talk like that. I don't know what accent that was. "Oh, Libya!" <laughs> I love that. Yeah, come here, please. I'm early. Was that probably more Italian? So he waves at me, and I'm like, "Oh, of course he's there. Of course he's there." The only thing that glistens is his aura. You know, like there's no sweat on his mouth. It's like he's naked. He just looks perfect. I'm like, oh my god, hi, hi, hi. Um, hello, hello, hello. And then <laughs> he's like, he's like, come and meet my best man, Yanis, who I've heard of over the years, but I've never met before. And this, this young man, 
this young man steps out of the car, literally like a rom-com, I find him and tell you, steps out of the car, and he is also an incredibly beautiful Greek man who was also really, really lovely. And I don't know if I've told you this before, but I tend to flirt like a 75-year-old woman who's out of shape. I flirt like I don't even think I'm flirting, like it's okay. So if someone's like, <laughs> there's a waiter walking past, and I think he's attractive, I'd be like, oh, aren't you handsome? You're a handsome little thing, aren't you? Like, that's not actually, in hindsight, that's not okay. <laughs> like, my age. Um, but like, that's how I flirt. I flirt like a woman who's so old slash unattractive, it's just sort of, they'll take pity on me. But actually, it's just flirting. I'm just terrible. I don't even realise I'm doing it. But literally, this gorgeous Greek man, second gorgeous Greek man, steps out the car in slow motion. He's like, oh, I knew I'd you. And I'm like, oh, you're handsome, aren't you? And he's like, oh, there she goes again. <laughs> he was like, oh, you say that to all the men. I was like, no, no, I don't. Yes, I do. But with you, I mean it. Um, so there I am, <laughs> driving through the Greek countryside with the, let's be honest, you know how fit I think my husband is. And he looks very Greek himself. He looks like Stavros Flatley, you know, the ones that did Britain's Got Talent. Sort of more, um, I don't know, it's slightly different looking Greek man, but Greek nonetheless. Anyway, so I'm in this tiny little car, um, sailing through the, the Greek countryside with this beautiful scenery with these three gorgeous Greek men, Greek-looking men. I really already at this point I'm five of my life. Um, so they take you to the venue and we have the rehearsal. James is trying to be helpful by offering to be security or some bollocks, I don't know. Their venue was a private house so i don't think they found it on airbnb but it was it was like that. it was a rental the family were all staying there for 10 days maybe um and they were having the wedding at the house it it, it was incredible it completely overlooked the sea um they had an infinity pool that was surrounded by this beautiful green lush garden huge terrace with a, a stunning wooden pagoda one side and you know, all matching, gorgeous, sort of dark grey navy um, sun loungers placed out perfectly symmetrically, you know, and then this wonderful dining area next to a rustic stone-built barbecue and with flowers and, and giant ceramic pots everywhere. And the interiors were all white and sort of um, bursts of, of bright blue in, in that quite sort of cliche Greek way. It was exactly what you would want. And it was absolutely stunning i can't it was just breathtakingly beautiful um and i get there in my airport outfit with my green armpit sweat <laughs> quite flustered not one person's having a glass of something by this point i've totally sobered up and it's after midday so i don't know quite what they're playing at. so we get there and uh, megs is there the bride to be the beautiful beautiful blushing bride and we do the rehearsal with the bridesmaids and the ushers and the family in there and it's just so so wonderful and it's so lovely and uh bloody hot oh my god it was hot and so um we do all that and that's all great what's nice is ordinarily it's not something i offer a morning rehearsal if i'm able to do it if i don't have anything booked in the day before the the wedding itself um, then I'm more than happy to to come to a venue and do a rehearsal for you. Um, and I do think it does help. It helps logistically in terms of like the music and the timings. But more than that, it helps sort of the anxiety and the nerves. 
It helps the couple just see me there. It helps the wedding party see me there. Just go through how things are going to run on the day. And it also helps me because I just get to spend an hour or two with just those people, really getting to know them a bit better as well. Um, so it is, if I can do it, I do like to do it. It's a really lovely thing to do. So we had the um, the rehearsal and then it was all sort of systems go because that night we had a rehearsal dinner. So Christos, the gorgeous Greek man, and Yanis, his gorgeous Greek best man, um, dropped me and James off at our Airbnb, slightly different level to the wedding venue, Airbnb, <laughs> I must admit. Um, and they dropped there and... Um, we sort of we literally had about a forty minute turnaround, and we hadn't changed or freshened up or anything since nine o'clock that morning. We dropped Lola off, um, and my friend texted me, and she was like, "Have you seen the news?" And I said, "Darling, you know I don't watch the news. I watch blah blah blah. That's how I get my news." Um, and she said, "Oh, it's the Queen." Now I'm a royalist. Have always been. Will always be a royalist. And I was a bit like. No, what's what's going on with the queen? She said, "Oh, she's not very well. They're all going to um, they're all going to see her." And I kind of I didn't ignore it, but I was just like, "Oh God, okay, right, okay." And then carried on about my business because you know I've got important things to do, like beautify, um, and try not to sweat in this incredibly hot place that I was in. Um, so I ignored the text anyway. Carried on, got ready, picked up again by a different beautiful Greek man. I think I moved to Greece, you know. And uh, we went to the White House in America. <laughs> I'm that important. No, no, no. There is a restaurant called the White House, which is in Corfu. And it is, um, I never watched the Durrells, which I think was a drama on BBC, but it's famous for the Durrells. I don't really understand. It's famous for something. Um, and that was where the rehearsal dinner was going to be. So we got there and, you know, I got an actor. Like it had been bloody six hours or something, they had a bit of booze. So uh, we got there and slowly everyone started arriving. I think in all, all in all, there's about 60 to 70 guests and everyone had been there. Some had been there for a few days already, but everyone got, got left the rehearsal dinner. And it was so lovely because it was just meeting people I hadn't seen in a while and chatting. And you knew that everyone was there for the same reason. Uh, and it was obviously... It wasn't the wedding day itself. It was a lot more relaxed and low-key, which was really nice. And to have that beautiful setting literally on the water was incredible. Um, and then Edson and Christos arrived and she was wearing this stunning, uh, slightly off-white silk suit. Girl shipped incredible, these great big earrings. I can't remember what he was wearing because I mentioned I'd dressed in the moment he turned the corner, so it was irrelevant. And... Um, we all sat down at different tables and it was just a really relaxed, really chilled out, really beautiful sort of holiday vibe evening dinner. And then sort of halfway through everything, we were all at different tables, halfway through everything, James and I were at a table with some friends and um, their phone goes and suddenly it's literally like beep, 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 beep. And all around us, everyone's phone goes. And my friend Barry, who sat next to me, just goes, the Queen's died. Sorry? Is that the Queen's died? I mean, this was like nine, ten o'clock at night, local time. We were all drunk by this point. Instantly started crying. Like It was the weirdest, weirdest thing. And I imagine it would have been weird for everyone, no matter where you are or who you are, or even if you don't care. Like, it's still weird. Like, that was really surreal. But to be in such a happy setting on a happy occasion not in England, like away from everything, 
it was very, very strange. And the whole, we were on the balcony of the restaurant, the whole balcony of the restaurant just went quiet and was just like, oh my God, are you adding in here? It was, it was a lot. And some of the people that we were on the table with were sort of my parents' age and they remembered it was just born when the queen was coronated. So it was, they had lived their whole lives with this queen and suddenly she was gone. It all happened so quickly. Um, and I instinctively looked down to um, near the water where Megs and Christos was and I looked at them and they were laughing and smiling and I thought, they don't know yet. And this is, you know, it's not that the queen wasn't my first thought, but actually my first thought was this, how is this going to affect them? You know, this is their this is their day. This is their wedding. This is their rehearsal dinner. And bloody queens just died. I mean, pick the timing. Do you know what I mean? Um, anyway, eventually they they heard and it, it spread around the party and it didn't ruin anything at all. But it was the whole thing was very odd. James was completely pissed off Aperol. No, no, wait, hang on, that was me. He was drinking gin and ended up buying sort of sixty shots of whiskey as if that's what the queen would have wanted. <laughs> Where that came from. Um, so we, you know, we all consumed, and um, I went up to Mexican Christos that night actually, and I said, "Look, I've had a few. So I'll speak to you about it in the morning." But I do think, just off the top of my head, I think it would be silly to um, completely ignore it tomorrow because it happened. And whether you are a royalist or not, whether you're even English or not, because half Christos is half Greek and half Irish, and Megs is English, so there was all sorts of. Um, different nationalities and cultures and faith and everything there. Um, but she's still the bloody Queen of England. So I said, I think we should mention it right at the beginning. Get it out of the way, pay our respects, do a minute silence and then it's done. And then we can just move on, pretend it's not happening and just forget about it and have a really wonderful wedding. And they were really on board with that. They were like, yeah, I think that's perfect. If it's said right at the beginning, then it doesn't have to be mentioned again. Anyway, so we, we called it a night and, um, and everyone, in fact, God, we didn't have to wake up to it. <laughs> I was all right, you know, because I'm a professional drinker. I was absolutely consumer. Professional. My husband, less so. Um, so we spent the morning just sort of perusing around um, the island and, and, and around the port and things where we were. But it took a couple from Froome, didn't we? It was about 10 minutes from where we lived back in the UK. Why is that always the way? You literally, you could go to bloody New York and you bump into your neighbour from when you were 10 and you grew up in the countryside. Like, they're just everywhere. Six degrees, six degrees of separation or something, isn't it? Um, and so then we started to get ready. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. People think that being in the wedding industry is a glamorous job. And uh, yeah, uh, there are certain parts of it that are, I will grant you, but there is a lot of it that is not. Now, my dress... Oh, it was sensational. I'm not going to lie to you. I got it on the cheap. Like, it was it was a beautiful, beautiful silk taffeta dress, uh, quite fitted um, up until sort of my rib cage, and then went out. I don't know why. Like, that's so much t-shirt. I'll just send you a picture. Um, but I suddenly thought on the morning of what, like, it's really hot. The wedding wasn't starting till five, but it was still 32, 33, 34 degrees. And because we'd done the rehearsal and we'd laid out the seating, I knew that I would be stood in the sunlight. The guests were sat in the shade, but Megs, Christos and I would be in direct sun. And I suddenly thought on that day, what am I going to do about sweating? Because 
I'm, I'm, whenever I do a ceremony, I'm always very conscious of not um, looking a certain way, wearing something, saying something or doing something to distract from the couple getting married. So as silly as it might sound to you, I was thinking if I'm stood there with giant sweat patches, that's going to be distracting to their guests. They're going to look at my giant sweat patches. <laughs> not, I mean, okay. In all fairness, yes, they probably would pay more attention to the stunning couple who were getting married and love each other than my sweat patches. But my sweat patches would still be noticed, okay? So I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I thought, you know what? It's not even an overchair coming up. It's not even like my armpit. It's the tip sweat. That's a real thing. I couldn't wear a bra and that was a real concern. So I spoke, I FaceTimed one of my best friends who's very, like, she just said it how it is, with me anyway. And I said to her, what the hell am I going to do? I can't wear a bra. I can't, I don't like, uh, it, it, you know, it was adding to my anxiety because remember I hadn't shown them the therapy, so I had that all going on in my head. And I was, it was hot and it was, actually, don't, actually I wasn't even having over. I had a drink again. Um, don't drink, actually, I don't drink, drinking's bad. Um, and she said, sanitary gels. I said, that's very sweet, darling, but I've actually just come off my period. So like, no sanitary gels. You stick sanitary towels underneath your boobs and they absorb sweat. You don't get boob sweat mark. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. If you haven't already done it, you haven't lived. What a genius idea. I once knew a boy at school who suffered from nosebleeds and every time he had a nosebleed, he'd stick a tampon up his nose. You know, we're, us women, we're just... Full of life hacks, aren't we? Bloody brilliant. So off I went <laughs> to the kiosk to get some sanitary towels. And then, of course, it's a mind, you know. In theory, how heavy is my flow? <laughs> liners, darling. I got liners. I got liners. Why am I even... I literally, last week I said masturbate on my podcast, and now I'm talking about panty liners. I'm so sorry. Please don't tune now. Please continue to love me. So I put my panty liners under my tits. <laughs> oh, God. Um, And then I put my dress on, and it's, like, really delicate and really hot. I've done my hair and makeup. I'm looking... You know what? I'm feeling good. And I don't normally... I don't often say I look good, but I, I looked good. I felt good. I looked good. And um, I said to James, oh, hi, babe, can you just, can you just do the zip-up? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't do the zip-up. Zip would not go up. Zip. Because it was there at the bottom, uh, that's where it lived. And it did, not, it did not want to move north. The zip would not go up. The taxi arrives. I can't be late. I'm doing the bloody ceremony. In we get with another gorgeous Greek man. And <laughs> I literally got like my right tit coming out. That would be tell and all. Um, we get to the villa. The guests aren't there yet. You know, James is doing security, obviously. And... Um, the suppliers are running around everywhere. Meg's is upstairs with the bridal party getting ready. Christos is walking around with Yannis half naked, looking unbelievably gorgeous. And there I am with my zip undone. Luckily, you know, the only people that I could find to help me with my zip was my husband um, and Yannis, the best man, slash Greek, gorgeous Greek god man person. Um, eventually, between the two of them, um, they got my zip up. <laughs> I told you. Not glamorous. Um, and so I'd calm down. So I had water, actually. 
Um, went and saw Megs. Oh, God, she looked beautiful. They had um, Greek DJ. He was setting up. They had the, the wedding planner. She was setting up. They had the team. The caterers were there. They had a gorgeous, incredibly wonderful and incredibly talented photographer. Um, he was there as well. He was taking shots and everything. Um, it was. It just all looked beautiful. They had set everything out. Their colours, interestingly, and I knew, like I said, Megs is so good with her eye for detail and her, her colour schemes and all the rest of it. So I knew it would be amazing. But it was interesting because it was September in Greece and she went for sort of burnt oranges, which ordinarily you'd think would be great for an autumn wedding, but it really worked. And it was quite different for essentially a summer, a broad summer wedding. It's quite different. But it looked absolutely stunning. They had sort of, instead of an arch between the pool and me, where we were doing the ceremony, they had almost like a dragon. It was really quite unique and really lovely. Um, they had set up a sort of almost like a washing line, but instead of dirty clothes, but that would be romantic, they had um, hat, like straw hat, uh, which looked really cool so that people could wear them, I suppose, during the ceremony, but they were in the shade, but then they wore them later on in the night. Um, and they had the table was all laid out. It was sort of long, like an L-shaped table uh, next to the swimming pool, uh, looking over the sea. It was just views for miles. It was unbelievable. Everyone started to arrive um, and it was all getting very exciting. And I went up, checked on Meg. She was ready, dressed and ready. I had, I had my teary moment. I cried because I knew I would cry because I actually cry often at weddings. At weddings, <laughs> I do. But this was slightly different, wasn't it? Because they were my friends. Like, love from dearly, and I've known for 10 years. So I, I went upstairs to see Megs in her dress so that I could get the tears out of the way. Um, and then the music starts, everyone sits down, and the ceremony starts, and Christos is quite nervous. You know, I consulted him, didn't I, physically? And um, Megs is walked down the aisle by her, by her twin brothers, which is so lovely, but also visually very pleasing because, you know, of the symmetry, you know, the symmetry. Um, she looks unbelievable. She is so, they're both so elegant, like effortlessly graceful, just like me. <laughs> As if. Um, so the ceremony starts and it's all going really well, um, except I get to a point now this is this is probably my biggest fear, but I get to the point where um, I there's a question in my questionnaire where I ask if um, of any embarrassing stories, when did they most embarrass? And in the hope that I would get like a really good story or anecdote, and I might use it. And on this occasion, Christos gave me just that. They hadn't read the ceremony; they didn't know what was coming. So I'm in the middle of the ceremony, sixty people looking at me, and I say. Blah, blah, blah. You know, there was a time that um, Christos found um, it particularly embarrassing, completely um, not her fault. However, it was when she met his grandmother. And as I said that, she turned to her and she said, oh my God, no, no, let him know. Like literally her face dropped, my face dropped. I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? It would, and all these thoughts were happening within half of the second. And I looked down at my notes and it, to me, this story was wonderful. It was hilarious. She didn't know I was going to tell it. She didn't know he told me it. And she looked at me like that, oh my God, let me know. And I was like, what the hell do I do? So it, it was a, quite a long story as well. Oh my God, I can't, I feel like I'm punching my legs together just thinking about it. Um, 
So I, I carried on, but I kind of altered it completely, improvised the whole thing, off the cuff, altered it so it wasn't as embarrassing as it could have been. Still to this day, it makes me feel squirmish thinking about it. But somehow in that heat, I managed to work my way out of that awkward situation, you know, and inevitably into another one. Me- Megs is British, as I said. Her surname is Hunter. Very normal name, right? Christos, Greek. His name, not so easy to say. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try. Great. I can't. I literally can't. I I mean, I'm never been able to pronounce it. Every in, ten years ago, if I had a job on Facebook, it was just Christos G. That's all I typed in and hoped it would come up. I have to look at his surname every time I write the bloody letter. Like Megan is not has not taken his surname because she can't even pronounce it herself, let alone spell it. Like that's the situation. It is a very classic, very Greek surname that no one can say, and I have to bloody say it, didn't I? Because of the vowels. I spent the whole six months previous trying to say a surname, and that like. That anxiety just heightened once we actually got to Greece. I asked Greek men on the beach how you say it. I had it written down on a piece of paper and was asking the waiter in the restaurant, how would you say this? Just before the ceremony starts, I'm turning to Yannis, the best man, and I'm like, I can't do it, can I? And he's like, no. At one point, James turned to me, you know when you're hungover, you have very little patience? And he turned to me that morning when he was like steaming a hangover and I was practicing it in the mirror. Like, just couldn't get it. And he just shouted from me and he was like, hey, babe, let's be honest. You're going to fuck it up no matter what. Just stop trying. And that's sweet, isn't it? But he was so right. So, and I think Christos and Meg's knew it was coming and everyone kind of knew it was coming because no one can say his bloody surname. Gary Kyoptis. So I was like, do you, Megan Hunter, take Christos? And then luckily he repeated it so, and she repeated it, so quickly afterwards that actually it was like people kind of <laughs> because they knew it was coming luckily it made it I, I don't know oh my god I die again just thinking about that this is like a ceremony two quite major things went wrong I almost completely publicly embarrassed the bride and I couldn't pronounce the groom's surname that is not ideal and added pressure my husband's watching my husband has never seen me do a ceremony before. I still, to this day, don't think he knows what I do. So I was so nervous. I wanted to impress him. I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted to please my friends. I wanted to, like, I had old friends there. It was it was just so much. It was so much. <laughs> I guess it was too much. But I think they loved it. <laughs> Overall, to this day, every time I see Meg since, I'm like, you sure you'd mind? She's like, no, I didn't mind. I promise. It went well. They were pleased with it. We then had cocktails. We had a cocktail bar um, that was serving just aperols and I think gin. And then we had the most gorgeous canapes and we had a a DJ playing background music. Um, And then we had a sit-down dinner that was like really incredible sort of Greek meats and salad and dips and and breads, um, beautiful fresh pita breads and, and tzatzikis and things all sharing style um so it was really sociable and relaxed but the food was incredible that lasted quite a long time i feel like it does in the mediterranean i feel like people take a long time over their food don't they it's just us brits that are like in our place very much full now um 
And then we had speeches, which was so gorgeous, cutting of the cake. And at, at, at some point, I can't remember exactly when, we all ended up in a swimming pool. Huh. Literally one of my pet hates in life is being thrown in a swimming pool. Literally in life. It happened in my silk taffeta ball gown, didn't it? And that's how the night ended. The night ended in a swimming pool. And only, only since that have I realised when I got home that night and I got undressed, I took, now we're going somewhere, took my dress off, I took my shoes off, I took makeup off, I took my hair down. No sanitary towels. I can only imagine, and nothing says romance quite like it, having two, may I say, unused sanitary towels floating around the swimming pool. That was me. And I don't think I've even admitted that to Megs and Christos themselves yet. But P.S. guys, if at some point, the morning after your beautiful, beautiful Greek wedding, you saw two clean sanitary towels floating around your infinity pool, guilty. And I could only apologise. The next day we had a beach party, which was so much fun. Obviously I get there at midday, everyone's I know, but I get there at midday with another tinny. Everyone's like, oh, I'm on the water. Grow up. All right, crack open a rosé, will you? So much fun. Super relaxed, super chilled. We had like kebabs and um, barbecued vegetables and, and beers and rosé and things on the beach. It was so, so much fun. And um, actually very good kill for hanging up. Um, and then James and I had a nice romantic meal and came home the next day. It was such a beautiful wedding. I cannot tell you. It was, there were so many things that could have ruined it. <laughs> I don't think ruined it. Um, I, you know, why why finish the whole gorgeous adventure off on a high? We were at the airport leaving and we bumped into another group of Ex and Christos' friends from the wedding that we knew, we didn't know very well. We'd met there. You know what it's like, you become best friends with strangers at a wedding, don't you? And we bumped into them and I was like, oh God, you guys, you look like shit. You went out again last night. You absolute wildcats. God, you look hungover. You are unbelievable. I'm all power to you. Yo, I couldn't do it. I'm too old. But you, God, good on you. Literally went on and they were like, no, no, we didn't. We didn't go out last night. No, we stayed in. Right. Right. So you can just look that shit um, from 48 hours ago. Great. Oh, that, oh, what's that? My plane's coming. Yeah, I've got to go. got to run. Lovely to see you again. Take care. Adios. <laughs> it really was. The whole thing really was sensational. Um, and what's really fun is because I'm friends with the bride and groom um, from Corfu, the gorgeous Greek and the beautiful Megs. He has a name, Christos Garikiotis. <laughs> I am going to interview Megs and find out all about her wedding from her point of view from her eyes her experience of planning an aboard wedding and hopefully get some fantastic insight for you all and some top tips because i am more than happy to travel again you know to greek because to greece as long as your name's john smith all right see you next week 
Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you find this podcast even remotely helpful or moderately entertaining, share with all your friends and family. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones, and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.